Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited because today we are celebrating the release of Fake by Erica Katz, who is joining me today, who joined me, I believe it was September 2020 for her debut novel, The Boys Club, which I loved. So I am so thrilled to be back and we're celebrating book two. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for having me, Courtney. It is like such a pleasure to be back with you. Oh, well, thank you. And I so love for anybody that wants to go into the archives, you should check out our first conversation because I absolutely love the Boys Club and that book just solidified my everything Erica Katz cheerleading for anything that you do. (laughs) (laughs) I will take it. Um, Yes, um, I I think the Boys Club was this unbelievable experience as the debut novel and people really connected with it and Mm -hmm. I just live every day hoping to repeat that glory and I hope you connected with fake as well um it's been quite a journey well I the boys club totally different from this but still underlying like tension a little bit of thrills like a little glam sort of all things that I love but I feel like this was a total you went into uh, like an unknown territory at least I think because you are a lawyer or were a lawyer I don't know are you still practicing law (laughs) I'm technically a lawyer I'm not practicing anymore um but I still work at a law firm and I wrote what I knew in the first book and did very little research, which is, I think what you were getting at. Um, And for this second book, I thought the research phase of it was so much fun that I just want to keep exploring these worlds that I don't know very much about going forward. And I hope you and I do this a dozen more times and I, I take you into different worlds every time. I hope we do too, but you wouldn't even know that it's a world that you didn't know. So give us a little like blurb about what fake is all about. Cause like we said, boys club, law firm, the world of law, but this is something that I knew really nothing about actually. So it was almost like I was learning a whole new thing. Um, I love that. Um, so fake, uh, takes us from the perspective of our, our protagonist, Emma Khan who is a struggling artist herself, but who to get by and earn a living legitimately legally copies high-end fake art, sorry, high-end artwork uh, for individuals who are looking to place them in safekeeping or donate them to a museum for insurance purposes. And they hang a copy on their wall, um, which happens every day in the art world. And Emma unwittingly becomes involved in a forgery scheme because she is such a talented and excellent copier, but she has no intention of being an illegal forger. And it is about how she extricates herself from that situation and how in doing so, she begins to explore her own very dark past and um, come to terms with it. So... Okay, so it's this underground art forging, like didn't even know that painting, like high-end paintings were forged and it was like a legal, like people do this, (laughs) like they copy paintings, which I didn't even realize. So I mean, even a museum who needs to clean a painting usually puts something up in its place. Yeah. Wouldn't have even known. But like the people who travel all the way to uh, the Louvre 
aren't disappointed when it's just a blank spot on the wall when it's being restored. Right. And now you're just going to question everything and be like, is that real? Is that not real? And, and this book, we can get a little bit, I want to talk to you about the research, but this book, like I said, there was like a, a suspense aspect, but there was like jet setting and like gl- this glam world, which I'm sure is like a crazy spider web of things, but to prepare for the book, like you said, the research was so amazing. What kind of research did you do? I mean, you're in New York, so I'm sure you had like so many things at your fingertips. I did. I had a lot of um, museums and galleries, which I went to sparingly because of COVID. But initially when I set out to write this book, um, I had these very lofty goals of visiting Art Basel in Switzerland Mm -hmm. and um, Miami and going to the Freeze Art Fair, which is here in New York. And I think there's there's one in LA now. And I have a very dear friend who is a, was a consultant at Christie's, has since gone off on her own. And um, she's sort of been my foray into the art world up until I was doing my own research. Um, I find it fascinating. It is one of the largest unregulated commodity markets there is. Um, it is a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry, and there's very little regulation of it. I even mentioned at one point in my book that there, there is supposed to be a list price for every piece in a gallery, but you very rarely see them. And that's because um, they want to sell to certain people. And so they discount it. They don't want to sell to others. And so they quote you a higher price. And it is this really see and be seen and malleable market that Mm -hmm. people um, want to be a part of and want to feel impressed by and impressed others by knowing. And I'm fascinated by anything that should be a function of someone's personal opinion. What is Mm -hmm. good art? What is good wine? What is good food? Um, Because there's a market behind dictating what, what good is in those situations. And Um, A lot of what I'm writing about is um, how personal preference needs to shine through and how being true to yourself, whether you're an artist or a consumer of art needs to show through. You need to have a little courage of conviction rather than just saying, yes, I will spend multi-million dollars on this piece because someone tells me that it's good and you feel no personal connection to it. And then there's this whole other world where it doesn't matter because you're investing in it as a commodity. There is money to be made in the art world. Um, it's called flipping pieces. You buy a piece and you, and you sell it at a profit quickly. They are not meant to be adored or hung on your wall. And what does that mean? And I don't know how many of your viewers have heard about NFTs, which is currently happening, but that is um, a non-fungible token and it is a, a function of cryptocurrency and it is art being traded in digital form. And it is all just a very crazy world filled with uh, fun parties and billionaires and sign me up for learning all about that any day. (laughs) Well, I mean, I two things. One, I was going to say, did, was there anything like current or recent that like really happened that you could like, you know, like anything that sort of illegally was happening that you could read about or research use as research because so I feel like most, this could oh, happen <laughs> yes sorry so there um there was this scandal years ago at this point at the Nodler Gallery in New York where a curator at the Nodler Gallery um 
uncovered dozens of unknown paintings by a very famous artist. Um, and she went through the process of legitimizing these paintings and confirming their provenance. And they turned out not to be real. The gallery shut. Actually, um, Yikes. there was a documentary, I believe it's on Netflix called mm -hmm. Made You Look, which is amazing about this. And it came out at a, I don't think it was the same week, but it was like an overlapping time when the army hammer, like, I want to eat your fingers. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That? Came well, out. Yeah. And yeah. his dad, Armin Hammer Sr. is the, is the owner, one of the owners of the Nodler Gallery. And just, I just felt like that was a really rough, rough month for them. <laughs> I feel but, like now um, that you're saying that I did in the Vanity Fair piece about him, I, there was something about the dad and something. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so, so that really um, sparked my creativity and informed my research. And then I also don't know what people have heard of this, but interestingly enough, since I wrote the book, it has become, I want to say again, a Netflix series called Inventing mm -hmm. Anna. That's yes. Anna Sor <laughs> yeah, Sorkin, I think is her yeah. name. Yeah. So I went bananas when this story broke. Um, I think in Vanity Fair, actually. Um, but she was basically a fake billionaires who screwed people over but also got some very legitimate investments by conning people and sorry not legitimate investments but she got actual cash meaning yeah. like legitimate money by conning people and um this story blew my mind and as that was sort of percolating in my consciousness and the fake art world I thought it was a really brilliant parallel being fake in your life, being fake in art. And that is how the story was born. Since then, I mean, these stories are everywhere. Yesterday, or maybe two days ago, now the New York Times wrote a story about all these, um, like dozens and dozens of p invaluable pieces by Basquiat, who is this famous artist. Um, and I'm reading this after writing this book and I'm thinking, there is no way they're real, right? Like how, when is the story going to break that people who mm -hmm. conned out of millions and millions of dollars for buying these um, pieces of art? But anyway, it is constantly dynamic, constantly involving. I have a bunch of Russians in my book and Russia unfortunately yes. is everywhere in the news right now. So it all feels very relevant and exciting. And, um, you know, th that's what I write about stuff that stuff that's relevant and exciting to me. So I hope it remains so. I didn't even think of the, that's such, so interesting that you say the, the Anna Sorkin article had come out and then you were thinking about like fake and, um, which that reading that, yes, now I can sort of see once you're like presented and like Emma was presented these opportunities that like nobody, like, how do you turn something like that down? I mean, she was, you know, travel and the money and the parties and the glitz and the glam. And then, you know, you start you can't go back it's like you can't get out of it quick enough when you start to realize okay this isn't you know right this isn't deserved yeah yeah right exactly um yeah and it's such a brilliant way to put it um how do you get out of it right and and how will it, i'm so fascinated especially when i read about art forgery and um on artists in general when people realize the truth you know how 
at what point do they want to get out? At what point do they not want it to be true? And so mm-hmm. people stay in these situations for far too long. Mm-hmm. Um, do they not, you know, really explore it? And it's true for these really blown up examples of con artists and forgery and all of that and what people want to know versus what they actually know. Um, but it's also true in relationships, you know, every day that is such a, that is such a natural sentiment. Like mm-hmm. when do you acknowledge the truth? And when is the fantasy so nice that you just want to play in it forever? Um, and so while these are these really intensely sexy examples of that yeah. sentiment, I think I think everyone can relate to them because we've all lied to ourselves at any given point and we've all um, said things out loud far too late, you know? Yeah. And I, I also think um, just thinking about and I wanted, I'll talk, I was going to ask one question, but now you just brought me to my second question, just <laughs> jewels and the use of social media and that leverage and like how so much of that is not real. And we see these things and we're instantly like, oh my gosh, I wish I had this or, and a lot of it is fake. I mean, a lot of it is a, a moment in time that looks so perfect and amazing. And then the next fight, you know what I mean? So I love that you had like the likes and the character of Jules and like this fascination with like who she was and, and like, you know, I'm sure there's so many examples you probably could list that was your why for having Jules and the social media piece. So I actually didn't really have a social media presence prior to needing to promote the first book. And I think that Jules was really born out of my personal struggle with how to represent myself to the world Mm -hmm. and the inherent dishonesty of whatever you display, knowing it's going to be seen by whatever, be it 10 people or be it millions, like depending on your following, you're putting something out there in the world and that makes the integrity of it a hundred percent compromised, regardless of how honest you think you're being right. Like the right. whole filtered, unfiltered right. phrase, um, ha- Instagram versus real life, all of that is still fake, right? Like right. regardless of how you spin it. Um, and I hope you'd agree that I don't have a really negative opinion of it. I'm just fascinated by it. Like totally. actually in the end, Emma is saved by her social media presence yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I a hundred percent see the value add of social media and it being so ubiquitous in our culture there, there's no going back anyway. So I wouldn't even presume to have a negative opinion of it. However, I do think it's really dangerous. And I think that you can be anyone for a split second and post mm-hmm. a picture and that's not real life. And as soon as people start conflating social media presence with real life, we have a real issue, but as long as you're comfortable in the separation and like realize the utility of the tool, um, it's all gravy. Well, it's funny what you just said, because you said, even if it's 10 people or 10 million people, I always think of like the things when like you put something up and then you're like, oh shoot, I want to take that down. Like, I'm always like, somebody probably saw that. Even if it's one person, like somebody probably saw that. And it's just, like you said, there is no going back that social media is the way and it's only becoming more and more prevalent and, and needed, you know, like you said, you joined to promote your book. Like you need to use it 
you know, to promote yep. your book. And so I just loved that that was sort of intertwined throughout the whole book because that I feel like is a whole separate like fake versus real theme as far exactly. as, and then the art, obviously, and the art forgery. So it's like yeah, so many things. Yeah, and her existing in this like world, but really her past is so messed up, right? And everyone right. thinks she's this very stable. So I was using fake in, in so many ways. And yes, social media probably is one of the biggest. Thank you for mentioning it because I, I didn't even at first. But um, right, I just, I, I think that she's grappling with loving the image she's portraying rather than fixing herself. And I think that's such a real sentiment. And I feel really lucky that I grew up in a time without social media. And I think it gave me the skills to connect with people on a real level and understand what social media does. However, I feel so sorry for more the adolescents right now who even if they had the skills to interact with each other, I mean, a global pandemic, forget it. Their only way of interacting was through phones and social media. And I just, I actually really, as I was writing in the, in the background of what I was writing was an, a real fear of what that does to people um, when you're only interacting through an inherently fake medium. Yeah. No, I think about that all the time just because I have two kids and I'm like, oh God, right. you know, and I didn't have yeah. one. So like my daughter will be like, did you? And I'm like, what, like, what did you used to watch on YouTube? I'm like nothing because it didn't <laughs> exist. And that, I don't think she can like wrap her brain around like, wait, you're that like, huh? How did it not exist? But well, you're that's right. that's the thing. Like when, I don't know how old you are, but like when we were young, when something didn't exist, it felt so old, but the yeah. world is changing so rapidly on a daily basis. Like right. the fact that my first phone wasn't a smartphone is nuts. Like, do you know what I mean? And so yes. it's interesting. The generational the divide is, yes. Oh my God, the Nokia flip phone. Oh no, yeah. that little one that wasn't. The little one that had like a little cord, like a little heart. Where you had to, and you could change the thing. took like 50 yeah. things since you had to. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <gasps> you had to type, right? Every message was like, you had to click a number until yes. you reach the right letter. Oh my yeah. Um, but yeah, technology is evolving so quickly that um, the growing pains are even greater, right? Because there's yeah. no easing into new technology anymore. Um, they just, they take over the world, like TikTok. Like that was just not a thing a little while ago. Um, anyway. And now it's everything. Right. And I, I feel I, like I'm looking, like the grandma that's like, stop splashing in the pool. But really, I love all this stuff. I just, I'm I know. fascinated by how, how quickly it comes out. <laughs> I know. And then you're like, wait, what is that? I don't know what that is. Like, right. I have an exactly. eight-year-old like schooling me on the things. Um, right, 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 right. And the question I was going to ask before was the character of Lenny, like, what was that based off of? Because obviously you needed somebody to sort of like lure her into this world and whatever, but like he, I don't know, in my head, I was picturing this like big guy that was like, looked rich, but like, you could kind of tell he was like shady and like, I don't know. I think you put a Russian accent on anyone in film or books these days and you automatically assume shady, which is exactly the point. Um, But Lenny was born out of um, my needing a stable, providing father figure for Emma because she really lacked it. 
And in my mind, when I was getting to know Emma as a character, she craved more than your average, well-adjusted, well-taken-care-of person without daddy issues, um, that connection, that paternal connection. And I think almost more in my mind than the glitz and the glam that came with him, she really refused to believe that their um, their relationship wasn't real. Their, their paternal child relationship wasn't real. And I think that's yeah. why she had these blinders on the whole time about where his money came from and what it meant that she was accepting it. Yeah, no, I, it was such an interesting dynamic. And then as you read sort of her backstory and her past, like you said, he does play this sort of parallel role aside from, you know, bringing her into this world and asking her to do these things. And it was just, right. he was like the perfect. And I can't say why he's Russian, except that um, foreign money is constant, like dirty foreign money is very often laundered through art because you can buy something and you can sell it and you can do it through a, na a nameless conduit, right? You can just have a third party do it for you. I talk about free ports in the book, which I find fascinating. There's the, there are these tax-free entities where you can store art um, outside any government's reach. Um, mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, lots of like the art Nazi stole. I, like I, I was talking to my parents about it and I called it Nazi art and they were like, no, it's, it's like art that Nazi stole. And I was like, okay, going forward, I will call it that. Yeah. Um, so art Nazis confiscated um, when they were sending people to internment camps um, and is often put in free ports because generations later it comes out sort of clean and you can sell it and no one knows where it is. Um, there was a free port in Switzerland that the government decided to pierce the legality of their secrecy and mm -hmm. sort of raided it, um, which made free ports in Delaware uh, a lot more useful and that is why Lenny is foreign and Russian, just because I feel like there's this, um, as an American consumer of news, just a general cynicism that comes with someone who is from Russia. And um, I thought it was sort of a delicious character that he no, was so, so amazing on some level and really smart and insightful. And he had a past that made him the way he was, but he was also a criminal. Yeah, no, I, I thought he was such a good character. And I just, I loved the book. And I think, like you said, and this is just like you as an author, I lost the word that I was going to use, but this is, you know, you wrote what you knew first. And I think for, to go into something completely different is is probably hard and maybe, I don't know, maybe you were like, I don't know, I'm just going to jump into this world, but you did it so well and you wouldn't have even known. And I think it's like the perfect book club book because of all the topics that we just touched on. Like there's so much to talk about here beyond just the story. Like this is so relevant that, you know, I think people could talk forever about these things and just the word fake like, what does that mean you know what I mean so yeah I absolutely yeah you can that. have some really like lofty intellectual conversations yeah. about it, and then there's just a lot of fun that happens in the book as well 
Yeah, so fun. Like, and you feel like you've traveled and you've partied. Good. (laughs) By the way, that was such therapy during COVID for me to write about that flight and Hong Kong and all of that. Yes. The international jet setting life, uh, no one was having at that point. And I wrote COVID totally out of existence. That was also such a wonderful therapy for me. So good. And you, you did the jet setting so well. Like I was... I could like picture it and I was felt like, and it just was sort of like the chef's kiss to like this world that like you would just want to be part of, even though it's like this, there was this darkness to the whole thing. And I just, I just loved it. So I can't wait to see what else you'll do. And I hope, I can't wait to see what world you'll, you'll bring us into next. Cause I'm, I started my third book. You did. It's set in an ER. So we're, we're talking about ER doctors. That is, well, that's my forte. Cause I work in healthcare. So I'm going to be all in for that. What do you do? I work at a doctor's office, but I got my college um, degree in public health and I've worked in multiple hospitals and I oh am obsessed gosh. with like medical and My whole family is doctors. My mom, um, like had medical training, but ran my dad's office. He's a pediatrician for years. And now she's an office manager at, um, internist office. And I talked to her and my sister is an ER physician assistant. And I'm constantly in touch with her about this book Two, three of my siblings are surgeons, like (gasps) forget it. So this was, um, not only fun to research, but just so amazing to connect with my family on a, on this level, because I always did something so different from them as an attorney. And now I get to sort of be a part of the conversation, but as a writer, not a doctor. Yeah, no, me and your mom do the same office manager, but I'm sure like with insurance. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm sure she feels the same way after these last two years. It's like, (laughs) yes, she works so hard and she's so good at her job as I'm sure you are. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, I bet I would love your mom. And when, <laughs> and when will that be out? Are you a book every other I'm, year? I'm still working on it. I'm, okay. I'm like really shooting for 20 late. I'm shooting for 2023 or 2024, late 2023 or 2024. Okay. I can't wait. So next year or the year after. Okay. I can't even wait. We'll I got a lot talk. going on this year. I got to get married. I know, which is like, I feel like that I could talk to you like in the whole episode, like we're prepping for the wedding. What's happening here? Are you getting, are you going to get married in New York? Or are you going to like go somewhere? We're fun? getting married in New York. We're okay. going to make it easy for people. We picked outdoor venues where possible. I don't even know. I mean, what do you even do these days? I guess you just we have huge families. We have a lot of friends. So we're just planning a big wedding. And if we have to cancel it for health concerns, we will, but we're going to live our lives. I hope not. I don't think you will. I'm knocking on wood. Today's two, 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 two. We're manifesting like good energy for that. Isn't it the best release date? Yes. It's perfect. It's a perfect release date. Um, Okay. So, all right. So we have that to look forward to. You're going to keep us posted on wedding plans. We need, we need to like make sure you're keeping us up to date on that. I will um, do. Okay. But in the meantime, we're going to do the chic list. This is Erica Katz chic list. Okay. Erica, what three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead, would you want to have a book club with? Okay. I thought, I thought about this before. Um, it's like the, who would you want to have to dinner, but like the literary version. And yeah. I think um, if we're, 
I, I have two answers. If we're going celeb, I would really, really, really like to have dinner with Beyonce and uh, Toni Morrison, who is like one of my, my favorite authors, so celeb. But if we're going like historical figures where I could talk to them forever mm-hmm. about a book, um, I would do F.W. de Klerk and Nelson Mandela. Um, F.W. de Klerk was responsible for ending apartheid and handing South Africa over to Nelson Mandela. I just think it's one of mm. the greatest, I mean, F.W. de Klerk was white. Nelson Mandela, I don't know how you come out of being a prisoner with the attitude that he had. And I just totally. would love to talk to them about that because it's just such a lesson in the best of human nature. Um, so those are my two answers. Okay, we'll let you have four people. You can have them all. <laughs> we'll make an exception just for you. I feel um, like Beyonce would fit right in. They, everyone she would. would go really well together, by the way. So if we I could feel just like- have a book club. Yeah, I feel like that's a perfect book club. I feel like her and Toni Morrison would be like BFFs. I actually agree with you. (laughs) Um, Current binge series. Oh, so I just binged Yellow Jackets and I don't even know how I feel about it, but I couldn't stop watching it to the point where it was like two o'clock in the morning on a weeknight. And I was like, we have to stop. Same, same. Have you seen this? Yeah, I totally have seen it. Um. And I feel like I've talked to some authors and they were like, absolutely not way too scary. And I, I like scary movies. I do see how it could be scary, but I wasn't like scared. I was like, it like teased scary. scary. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you were totally sucked in. You didn't know what was going on. The soundtrack was amazing. Just amazing. 90. I love the nineties. And I was like, teen and kid in the 90s but um I honestly and then the last five minutes of the finale I was like what the heck is going on (laughs) the whole last episode I was like what but I'm gonna watch season two I devoured it same I loved it I thought and like the cast was really good and I just I thought it was really good okay last favorite book and current read um currently reading Black Cake by mm-hmm. um Charmaine Wilkerson Charlene Wilkerson um anyway it's phenomenal her command of the English language is enviable it's her debut novel I think everyone should pick it up um oh the last and then what is it the last great book I read yeah. I think I would probably say so this is not the last great book I read but I would encourage everyone to read Carol Lovering's Tell Me Lies which they are turning into a series um, yes Emma Roberts production company bought it and it's so good. And I feel like she's had three great books or two great books since, and people have read those. And, but I just want to like call everyone's attention back to that book because it was so good. She had a really messed up relationship. Yes. She's one of my favorites. Again, like every time she puts a book, I haven't read her latest, but I have, or her upcoming, but I have it, but she's so good. She's like, so good. You're totally sucked in to anything that she does. Um, describe your writing space. Oh, um, this is super easy. I, I need like, a, a, I need to stare at a blank wall. Um, I don't want anything happening around me. I want, I actually think I really try very hard and thank you for saying that I did so successfully, but I do try to create these worlds for people and 
I don't want any can I don't want any smells. I don't want any sights. I don't want any sounds. I you I wear earplugs. I sit facing a blank wall and I have my computer and that's it. So um the dedication in fake is to my you know, to Daniel, who is my fiance now, but for locking me in a basement to finish this book, because he kept saying, like, should we go away? Should you know, should we go to a beach and you can sit there and write and um blah 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 and I was like no I just want to be in this basement and I want you to leave me alone so that that was how I write yeah I love that I don't think I've ever gotten an answer like that (laughs) interesting well it's working it's working so tell Daniel it's working um (laughs) name something chic I am so obsessed with um living plants and flowers in homes um I have a wall of plants I have a huge um, fig tree that I grew since it was this little. Um, and I think that they're so chic and they, they change the entire energy of a space and I'm very into them. There's fresh flowers right there. I love that. And I totally agree. Um, do you have a favorite book that you gift? Yes, but it's not fiction. I gift um, Yotam Adelangi's Jerusalem cookbook to people because it's this really incredible, not too difficult, veggie forward cookbook. And mm-hmm. I think Random House does it, and the pictures are insane. It is like just having art in your kitchen. Um, and I think it's super fun. Oh, I like what was it called again? It's um, Adelangi, who's this English. Israeli guy and he mm-hmm. does insane things with vegetables. The book is Jerusalem, but he has all these cookbooks. It's O T T O L E N G H I, I think. And he's or just like follow him on Instagram. He posts his recipes. They are so good. Okay. And okay. I'm not vegetarian like <laughs> at all. I just think they're insanely good. It's so good. Okay, good to know. Um, if you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why? Um Lizzo's worship because <laughs> yes. I am constantly walking around singing that and it is now some cruise lines theme song they brought the rights to it and cruise lines are just advertised like no one's business because no one is taking cruises no. I mean don't even know why but every time I turn on the television it's on and I work out to it and it is such an anthem for women and self-respect and I think she's so cool I do too. I love her. I love that. That's such a good one. Um, Not to mention have- that it will wake you up in the morning more than coffee, right? Like it is such a, it is such a beat. What a jam. She's so good. And all the, yeah, all of so her, good. she's just, I just love her. Um, must have beauty item. Oh, um, so I, I like trend towards dry skin. So I do, um, Estee Lauder Retrieve night cream. And I can't live without it. I mean, it's like thick, goopy. Oh, I love thick, goopy. Um, and yeah, and you feel like you're like, it'll never get absorbed. And <laughs> you're sitting in bed and like 20 minutes later, you just have great skin, so. Okay, I love that. I love anything thick and goopy. I feel like it's working, whatever it is. If you're and like shiny and glossy. Oh, okay. Such a good splurge. Okay. I had gotten like a sample of just Lemur's face cream. Like, and I don't even know how I got it because they don't even do like samples. No, and I, you can I get used it someone so, in Bloomingdale's. I was <laughs> using too. it so sparingly. I was like, oh my God, this is like- I'm literally like, if I hit up every single Bloomingdale's <laughs> on the Eastern Seaboard, do you think I can get enough Lemur to make one $300 well, you, bottle I, of Lemur? 
You probably could. You probably could. Um, if you could name one lipstick after a book, what would you call it? And what shade would it be? Um, I decided that I was going to name um, my lipstick after the boys club. And it was going to be called Red oh. Sold Shoes. And it was going to be a really sexy red. I love that. I love that so much. And I feel like we have to just remind people to, I mean, obviously read fake, but also read the boys club because (laughs) it was so, so, so good. So people looking for, you know, like spring break reads, you can have two right there. Um, And best advice you've ever received. The best advice I ever received was probably from my mother who, when I went to college said, don't even think about calling me. Um, from jail. <laughs> um, she was basically just like, like, we raised you well, and you will get out of your own messes if, if, you know, now that you're on your, that you're going off on your own and, um, we love you, but don't mess up. <laughs> and now you write about these characters who like make mistakes and stuff and they know how to exactly. help themselves. Exactly. And my grandmother gave me the best relationship advice I ever received, which was, um, you know, kiss each other goodbye every morning when you part ways and kiss each other goodnight every night, never go to bed angry and you will have a happy life. I love that. And it's, yeah, I think she was just like, stay in communication, right. And get over things. She was amazing. I think especially now that's such an important like after you see that things can change so quickly and like, you know, should really absolutely in the forefront of your mind. Well, it has been such a pleasure. I can't tell you, I love obviously talking to authors and supporting authors, but I love like being able to follow them from the beginning. So I'm so happy that like, we've continued to stay on the journey of Courtney and Erica (laughs) so that I can keep, keep celebrating your books. They're so, so good. Everybody needs to get them and you will keep us posted. Where can we follow you on Instagram? Cause now you are on social media, obviously. So yes. I'm at Erica Katz at, on Instagram and um, it, it has in my bio a link to email me for anyone who wants to write or has questions about how I got started writing. Um, I was a lawyer and I thank my lucky stars every day that my agent and editor took a chance on me and I told myself I would always respond to questions from anyone trying to do what I do now. And I feel so lucky that I do. So feel free to reach out. Um, and I'm at ericacatsbooks.com, which also has upcoming events and contact info. So be in touch. I love it. And that's so nice and generous of you. Cause I think people really, you know, have probably be- are in your shoes or been in your shoes and want to know and look where you are and it's amazing. So celebrating Erica. So thank you so much. And everybody tune in next week for our next episode. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Courtney.